Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Kind of an ongoing joke here, except this morning it wasn't me. Sharon, I got to tell the story. Huh? Well, you've been telling everybody, so it's my turn. We, in, uh, we had invited the Gillises over for supper this past Thursday evening. And uh, I know what you're thinking. You weren't invited. You will be. Just wait. Give, give me time. We got all summer. We, I truly hope to have everybody in the church over before the end of the summer. But we had invited the Gillises over this, this past Thursday. And they told, oh, yeah, we'd love to come. Great. We'll be there. Um, and, and then Thursday morning, they realized it's not going to work. They got to watch their great grandkids that evening. Didn't think they had to, but come to find out they did. So Sharon says, Denny, call the pastor and tell him we won't be able to be there this evening. So Denny calls a pastor. <laughs> he calls Brother Jamie. And, and he says, uh, and he thinks he's talking, well, no, he knows he's talking to Brother Jamie, but he, I don't know what Denny was thinking now that I think about it. (laughs) But he's talking to Brother Jamie, and he says, I'm so sorry, we got to watch the kids tonight. We're not going to be able to be there. And Brother Jamie says... Uh, (laughs) So Jamie says, excuse me, be here? And he said, yeah, we got to watch the kids tonight. We're not going to be able to be there. And which then Jamie says... Is there something I'm missing? Is that what? <laughs> so Denny is now getting flustered. So he turns to Sharon and says, he don't get it, and hands her the phone. And Sharon gets on the phone and says, no, we're not going to be able to be there tonight. And Jamie says, what am I missing? And she said, who is this? <laughs> the Pastor Jamie? And she says, uh, <clears throat> never mind. <laughs> those things, those things happen. We're beginning a summer series on the fruit of the Spirit. And I love that the Lord uses the metaphor of the fruit. I love fruit. I think most people do. And I got to thinking about this. If someone sat before me, and I had to pick one of the three, and they sat before me the perfect peach, I mean, Perfect peach. It tastes exactly what a peach is supposed to taste like. Sat down in front of me, let's say a slice of watermelon, that, and that's the way watermelon ought to be served. It ought to be served in slices, not cut up in little squares, lady. That's you, you, a slice. Okay, and a, a perfect slice of watermelon, and let's say a bowl of uh, strawberries, just beautiful strawberries, and they said, you, you got to choose. You can't have all three. You can't have two. You got to choose one. Which one would I choose? I would be conflicted. I don't know. So I got to thinking about that, and you know, occasionally I will take a pastor's poll, and I'm very curious about this. Let's say that was you, and sitting in front of you is the perfect peach, perfect watermelon, perfect bowl of strawberries. You got to pick one. Now think about it for a second, because I'm going to ask you, with a show of hands in just a second, which would you pick? Okay, which would you pick? Now, let's start. I want you to raise your hand for the one you would pick. How many of you, with the choice again, peach, watermelon, strawberries, by the uplifted hand, 
I think I know which one is going to win. And I'll tell you after the poll. Okay? How many of you would say peach? I'll pick the peach. Okay, fair number. Hands down. How many of you would say, I would take the watermelon? I think that's even more hands. Hands down. And lastly, and you can't raise your hands more than once, okay? Lastly, how many say, I take the strawberries? I am surprised. <laughs> okay, you can put your hands down. Uh, I could take another poll of how many of you thought that was going to be the results, but we won't do that. I would have thought, Sharon, what would you have thought? I, I will, what would you have thought most people would pick? <laughs> I would have thought peach, but I think that was the least one picked. And I think just observation, watermelon came in second and first was uh, the strawberries. That surprises me. Well, anyway, when the Lord wanted to talk about something good, he referred to it as fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. Let me begin by just reading this brief statement about someone. This is a prayer of a man, and he prayed this every day. Heavenly Father, I pray that this day I may live in your presence and please you more and more. Lord Jesus, I pray that this day I may take up my cross and follow you. Holy Spirit, I pray that this day you will fill me with yourself and cause your fruit to ripen in my life. That being love, joy, peace, patience, good, uh, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And let me read on. That was the prayer that John Stott prayed every day when he first woke up in the morning. It hardly seemed surprising then that many people who knew John Stott personally said that he was the most Christ-like person they ever met. It was extremely important to this man knowing the value of the fruit of the Spirit, that it be developed in his life. It was so important to him that he prayed for it every day. Now let me ask you a convicting question. How many of us never even think about it? How many of us, we hadn't thought about the fruit of the Spirit until you mentioned it this morning? I don't say that to embarrass you or or necessarily to convict you, but that's the reason you come to church. (laughs) So you can have a pastor point these things out to you because the fruit of the Spirit is something that we should be very much aware of and very much desirous of. John Stott prayed to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit each and every day. And he prayed this because he obviously saw great value in it. He wanted it because he saw the value that was in the fruit of the Spirit. And he saw the value based on what he read in the book of Galatians because it was the Apostle Paul that talked about it to the Galatians. The Galatians were a group of people that had formed a church back 2,000 years ago. Paul was the missionary that uh, helped to start that church. That church was going through a lot of issues. It was at a time of transition. Uh, Prior to that time, people had lived under the law. And God had given them very strict rules and regulations. Now Jesus comes along in fulfillment of the law. And he says, you're not living under the law anymore. You're living under grace. So in that church, people were conflicted. 
Some of them wanted to hang on to the Old Testament laws. You can eat certain things, you can't eat other things, you can wear certain things, you can't wear other things. I mean, just everything was nailed down. And I suppose there were people that had personalities that that worked for them. But on the other hand, you had people that really bought into the idea of grace and perhaps going to the extreme. We're no longer under the law. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now we can do whatever we want. So partially in addressing the issues that was dividing these people, the Apostle Paul teaches them about the Spirit and teaches them about the fruit of the Spirit. And that's how you move forward in your Christian life. That is the balance between what was the law and rules and regulations and now grace. And it's in Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16, that we read what the Apostle Paul told them about the fruit of the Spirit. And, let me add quickly, it was recorded, and it's been preserved for 2,000 years because it's just as valuable to us today as it was to the people to whom Paul wrote it 2,000 years ago. And if we're going to be smart like them, we're going to listen intently. We want to know what Paul told them and really, at the same time, told us. In Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16, he says to them, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, or or live according to the Spirit. Let the Spirit dominate you. Why? And ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. There's this internal war. This is one of the reasons we know the Bible is true. You may be here and you're not a believer and you think the Bible is just, you know, just man-made stories. Listen, how how can the Bible get it so right, even 2,000 years ago, to understand the internal conflict between in, in, in the hearts of men and women? I mean, who doesn't know the, the idea of, of the battle of, of right and wrong and, and having the desire to do wrong but knowing that you ought to do right? I mean, Paul's talking about that 2,000 years ago. You don't find that in other books. This book is true. Then I say, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit. It's in conflict. And the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other. How many of us can't identify with that? I mean, every person in this room will have those internal conflicts of desiring to do wrong and knowing it's wrong, but wanting to do right, and there's this internal battle. He says, but if ye be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. And then he names them. He's helping these folks out. What's the flesh? What was that all about? Verse number 19, now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. These are the bad things in life. A lot of people today don't want to call them bad, but uh, that just speaks to their spiritual ignorance. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in the time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. If you are unsaved and you are living in that environment, if that's what you are all about, then you're unsaved. You're you're not going to inherit the kingdom of God. But he shows them a better way. But the fruit of the Spirit 
And this has a whole different feel to it. I mean, the works of the flesh, if if you're going to use the metaphor like fruit, you could use the the works of the flesh to be like, um, what was it Jan was giving away the other night out there? Rhubarb. I mean, the works of the flesh are like rhubarb and tomatoes and things I don't like. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such There is no law. These people over here that wanted the Old Testament law, Paul's addressing them. He said, there's no law against these things. He said, I want you to have these things. There's no law against that. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. And then he says, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. John Stott had read that and said, Living the life of the fruit of the Spirit is going to be way better than living a life subjected to the flesh and the earthly carnal desires of the flesh. He valued it so much that he prayed for it daily. So what is the fruit of the Spirit? Because probably in many of you, your daily lives, you you may not have thought about the fruit of the Spirit in weeks. Months, maybe years, maybe you've never heard of the fruit of the Spirit. So, so what is the fruit of the Spirit? What is the fruit of the Spirit that he wanted? Here it is. The fruit of the Spirit, simply stated, are Christ-like character qualities that are developed in the life of believers as they yield to the Spirit of God. They're not resisting God. When they get convicted, they're at the altar. Or they're on their knees and they say, dear God, forgive me. They're not re- re- uh, re- rejecting God. The fruit of the Spirit are Christ-like qualities that are developed in the life of believers as they yield to the Spirit of God. And so doing, they protect themselves. Here's the good part, based on the scripture we just read. And so doing, they protect, them, they protect against the evil influences and destructiveness of the flesh while promoting the positive influences and blessings of the Spirit. Let's look at it again. What did Paul say? Galatians 5, verses 16 and 17. He says, Then I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. These are contrary the one to the other, so that they cannot do the things that they would. So again, let's look real quick at those character qualities that we see that are the fruit of the Spirit. Look at that list. There's love. Who wouldn't benefit individually or in your family if there was more love in your life and in your family's life, in your married life? Joy. Peace. How many Christians today deal with anxiety and depression, fears, How would you like to know peace? That's one of the fruit of the Spirit. You should want that. Long-suffering, patience. That's what long-suffering means. And how many of us need more of that? I sure do. Gentleness. Goodness. Faith. A greater faith. When when your faith is strong, your, your fears are minimized. Meekness. There's so much benefit to be gained from having a meek spirit rather than a proud spirit. And temperance, which is self-control. Those are all fruit of the Spirit. Those are all nutritious things. Those are all good. 
those are desirable. An individual, a married couple, a family that seeks the fruit of the Spirit in their lives, there's going to be a lot of laughter. There's going to be a lot of appreciation, a lot of gratitude one towards another when those fruits are evident in your lives. And he wanted them because, as it said in the scripture we just read, when you have those, it fights against the things in your life that are not good. They're there in the form of the flesh. Even when you're saved, you still have your flesh, flesh, fleshly sinful nature to deal with. And the way you cope with that is by having abundance of the fruit of the Spirit. Because if you don't have that, you're going to have the works of the flesh. And again, what are those? Look at the list. Adultery. Can you imagine all the pain that has been caused by adultery? A man or a woman cheating on their spouse? I've heard it said that there's no greater pain a woman can know than for who she thought was a faithful husband to be found cheating. Fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness. That, that, that's, a, that's a person that is just eager to sin, just, just looking for things, no sense of shame. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, that, that's quarreling. That's what our flesh wants to produce in us. And he goes on further, emulations, which is jealousy or people that are overly ambitious, wrath, strifes, seditions, that's division, being divisive, heresies. In this case, it's talking about those who are obstinately opinionated. Oh, you can't talk to her. I mean, her opinion is so strong, you're not going to be able to affect her or him. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, that's out-of-control partying. He knew his life would be dominated by the Holy Spirit, that is John Stott. If his, if his life was dominated by the Holy Spirit, if he was yielded to the Holy Spirit, he would have the fruit of the Spirit, which makes for a much better life than those who are subservient to the works of their flesh. That would result in anxiety and fear and depression and anger. Now, why should this matter to you? This was written 2,000 years ago to a group of people in Galatia. It was amazingly recorded and then more amazingly preserved for 2,000 years. Why should this ancient text matter to you? Because the development of the fruit of the Spirit in you is key to defeating everything in your life that is there, that's sitting there as a time bomb just waiting to explode and cause pain, misery, depression, fear, and anger for you and perhaps for other people. We need to understand, and if you're honest with yourself, you do understand, that there are two forces working in opposition inside of each and every one of us, even those of us that are saved. We still have that old flesh nature to, to deal with. That won't be taken care of until we're in heaven, then everything's going to be fine. But every one of us, and, and if you're honest with yourself, you'll admit that. Yes, Pastor, there are some things I know that's wrong, but uh, I just can't help myself, maybe you would say. 
And I know it would be a lot better if, if I just was given to the fruit of the Spirit, those wonderful traits, love and joy and peace. Well, a couple of quotes that kind of explain it. There is a battle going on inside the Christian, and the battle is between the flesh and the Spirit. As Paul writes, these are contrary to one another. They don't get along at all. When the flesh is winning the inside battle, you do not do the things that you wish. You don't live the way you want to. You live under the flesh instead of under the Spirit. And you know that's a losing proposition for you. And you're not happy. Oh, I can do whatever I want. I can call the shots. No, you're a slave to your flesh. You're not as independent as you think you are. My parents aren't going to tell me what to do, and no independent fundamental Baptist preacher is going to tell me what to do. I'm living the way I want to live. No, you're living as a slave to your flesh. You're living as a slave to your carnal, ugly, nasty flesh that produces all the ugliness in the world. Lasciviousness, fornication, adultery. I like the way this one person described it. He said, Our old nature is like the pig and the raven, always looking for something unclean on which to feed. Doesn't that describe the flesh? The flesh is always looking for something unclean on which to feed. Our new nature, though, is like the sheep and the dove, yearning for that which is clean and holy. No wonder a struggle goes on within the life of the believer. The unsaved man knows nothing of this battle because he does not have the Holy Spirit. You say, well, look at the unsaved. I mean, they're just rocking along. They're just enjoying life. They're not in church and whatever. No, they don't have the Holy Spirit, and they're going to pay for that for all eternity. You don't want to be in their shoes. So what is the flesh? Answer. Perhaps most plainly, it refers to that part of us that is alienated from God. It is the rebellious, unruly, and obstinate part of our inner self that is operative all the time. It is that part of us that does not want to be told what to do. And the flesh produces all the things that are unclean. And lives dominated by the flesh can't help but be lives that are angry, Depressed, filled with anxiety, empty, defeated, pitiful individuals. But there's an alternative. That's the good news this morning. There is the Spirit. There is the, 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 the fruit of the Spirit. And the, the Spirit is, is God's personal presence in you. And the Spirit is going to produce those things that are clean. The lives dominated by the Spirit are going to be quite different from those dominated by the flesh. I look at people out in the world that are that reject God and they live by their flesh, a slave to their flesh, and they tend to be the most angry, depressed people in the world and dependent on alcohol or marijuana or some sort of drug to, to get them through life. That's not the life you want to live. A life dominated by the Spirit will be a life that is calm and joyful optimistic, hopeful, excited about tomorrow. And I I go out these doors, and as you've heard me say on many occasions, that's the laboratory of life out there. Let's consider this a thesis. 
you know, that people dominated by the flesh are going to be more miserable and people that are dominated by the spirit are going to be more happy. Go out there and find people that are truly dominated by their flesh and people that are truly uh, experiencing the fruit of the spirit. And you'll see that these words are oh so true. The evidence supports God's word overwhelmingly. You would be a fool to think that you could do otherwise or that you could do the same thing and come away with differing results. So the Apostle Paul says, knowing that there's this battle in all of us, this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. To the degree that you minimize and defeat the influence of your flesh, you minimize and defeat everything in your life that could possibly cause pain and agony. To the degree that you maximize and promote the influence of the spirit in your life you maximize and promote everything in your life that can possibly bring you peace and joy and hope so the million dollar question i've been preparing this message all week and i've been thinking about you and i know you have a question if it's so good how can i get it well let me help you with that because the lord uses the metaphor of fruit to describe the development of these Christ-like character qualities in our life. So to know how we get the fruit of the Spirit, these Christ-like character qualities in our lives, let's continue that metaphor of the fruit. Seven things. Number one, understand to have fruit, fruit has to be planted. When I was a kid growing up in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, we had a pear tree in the backyard. It was not there by accident. My dad planted that pear tree back there. If you're going to have fruit, it has to be planted. 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God? You are not your own. Which you have of God? To have the fruit of the Spirit in your life, you must first have God. God in your life is that fruit tree, if you will, that's going to produce the fruit. When a person gets saved, one of the great blessings is that the Holy Spirit comes and resides in you. That's the planting of the fruit trees. Fruit trees have to be planted. No fruit trees, no fruit. Spiritual fruit comes from the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is planted in us At the time we are saved, let me ask you a question. Are you saved? Do you know for sure that if something were to happen to you, you would go to heaven? If you say, I know I'm not saved, well, there's no way you're going to have this fruit. No way you're going to ever harvest this fruit. For there to be fruit, there must be a fruit tree. It has to be planted. And for us to have the fruit of the Spirit, we must have the Spirit. And the Spirit only indwells believers. The good news is it indwells believers that the moment you are saved, it comes to reside, and then it can start producing fruit. Number two, fruit has to be nourished. But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The word of God is our nourishment. Fruit trees require sunlight. They require fertile soil. They require water. And if they don't get those things, they are not going to produce Spiritual fruit requires Bible reading and Bible teaching and Bible preaching. 
You know, to, to not show up at church this afternoon is to not water your fruit tree. To not show up on church Wednesday night is to not nourish your, your fruit tree. You, you've, you've, you, it takes effort to grow a fruit tree. It, it, it takes nourishment. You've got to put forth the time and the effort to do it. I, I was out last night putting some of that uh, liquid fence on, on not fruit, but on, on my flowers. But for me to enjoy the flowers, I've got to put forth the effort. You know, and for you to think you'll just come on church on Sunday morning occasionally when you're in the mood or you don't have anything else better to do and you think you're going to produce fruit, you are sadly mistaken. You're not going to produce fruit by ignoring your fruit tree at home. You're not going to produce fruit by ignoring the fruit tree that you find in reading the Bible and Bible teaching in Sunday school, Bible preaching. Number three, fruit has to be protected. That's why in Ephesians 5, 3 it says, But fornication and all uncleanness and all covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. In Ephesians we're told there's some things that should not be in your life. And that's there in part to protect the fruit. Fruit must be protected. If you have a fruit tree, you are very much aware of insects or other blight that might come to that tree. And if you want to enjoy the the harvest of that fruit tree, if you want to enjoy that pear, my dad planted that pear tree, and I loved it in the summer to go back there. That produced the hardest old pears you've ever tasted in your life. But it just suited me, and I, I loved it. But it required some protection from insects and from blight. Spiritual fruit. If you want to enjoy the harvest of spiritual fruit that's going to bring some joy and some peace to your life, you're going to have to protect that. You're going to have to protect it basically from sin and from Satan. And you have to be mature enough to recognize sin and see it and be able to avoid it and understand that that's the work of Satan. Number four, fruit requires knowledge. Colossians 1, nine. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Paul is telling a group of people this time at Colossae that they need to learn, they need to know, they need to grow, they need to have knowledge if they're going to produce spiritual fruit. I would think that if you spent the money, I would assume a fruit tree could be pretty expensive, whatever it is, that you're going to do some homework. You're going to, these days, what, go online and Google it. How to grow up in northern Michigan, let's say, cherries. Uh, and you're going to spend some time. You, you need the knowledge. And spiritual fruit requires knowledge. Without that knowledge, you're not going to make it. And that refers us back to number three, which has to be protected or, uh, from the Bible reading. Number two, Bible reading. You, just, you, you need the knowledge. You know, you, you, you can't live what God says if you don't know what God says. And is Sunday morning every now and then enough? I can tell you from 40 years of experience, I've never, and I don't mean to offend you, and I'm glad you're here this morning, and I hope you'll come back, but my observation, and I say this out of care and concern for you, I've never seen occasional Christians ever become mature Christians. Never seen it. Well, don't play at it. Go for it, man. Just be here this afternoon at one thirty. Be here Wednesday night. You know, you need that knowledge. You can't live what you don't know. And you're, you're fooling yourself if you think you can. 
I've never go out into the laboratory of life. Show me someone that's being used of God greatly who just shows up occasionally. And I know, I know the argument. Show me in the Bible where it says you got to be there, you know. And I've said before, I can show you. I can't show you in the Bible where it says you got to be here Sunday morning, ten and eleven. Sunday afternoon, one thirty. Wednesday night at seven o'clock. But I can't show you in the Bible where they met every day. You know. I won't threaten you with that, with that. Number five, we've got to be quick here. Fruit takes time to develop. It takes time to develop. You say, I've been living all my life and not coming on Sunday morning. Okay, so your, your fruit's growing slowly. Maybe it'll start now. You say, well, I'm in my 60s and 70s. Can I start now? Absolutely, you can start now. Maybe you're like me, a slow learner. You know, it just, it just takes time. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and the virtue knowledge and the knowledge temperance and the temperance patience and the patience godliness. That's a lot of adding. My point there is that's going to take time. It takes weeks and months some, some time to produce fruit. It takes a long time to produce spiritual fruit as well. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. You may have, your journey may have been down a rocky road. You're in church for a while. You're out of church. You have a bad experience, so you get out, and then you realize, no, I need to be there, and you're back in. It it takes time. Number six, realize this too. Fruit can be stolen. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. People or animals can steal fruit. I remember outside my grandma's house in Robert, Louisiana, a little old bitty town, little old country house out in the middle of nowhere. She had a big fig tree outside the back door, big old fig tree. I mean, in, in hot summer, those big, beautiful figs were growing. And I would go out there. It was one of the delights of going to grandma's house, that fig tree in the middle of summer. It would just be loaded with, with figs. You take them and peel them and eat them, and they're, they're warm from the hot Louisiana sun. It was just good. And then I'd get out there and find to go to pick one. Bird got it. Went to pick another one. Bird had already eaten most of it out. That's not fun when it's stolen like that. But just like fruit can be stolen, sin and Satan can steal your spiritual fruit as well. And come along and tempt you to do something really dumb really bad. And when you start living that kind of life, guess what? Then you don't want to be in church. You'll find every excuse in the world not to go to church. If you've got hidden sin in your life, in other words, Satan or self-stealing your fruit, then you're not going to be there. Fruit can be stolen. But number seven, and lastly this morning, fruit is good for you. Everybody will tell you you need to eat fruit all the nutritionists say you ought to eat fruit, you ought to have some fruit each and each and every day. Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit, this is all good. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Fruit is considered a great source of nutrients. Spiritual fruit is a great source of peace and joy and love. And you say, Pastor, my life has just been a lot of drama, a lot of turmoil. Could I ever experience the fruit of the Spirit? Yes, you can. As so many millions of others have done through the years who have started off life in a very hard, rough way and go into a church and just hear a man preach the Bible 
the Holy Spirit convict you, you get saved, and you realize there's more good that's there. I'm going back on Wednesday night. I'm going back for Sunday school. I'm going back Sunday morning. I'm going to be reading the Bible myself. Absolutely. I don't care how hard your life has been, how difficult it's been, how many bad relationships you've had. God loves you, and he wants something better for you. And we'll end with this quote. The fruit of the Spirit is an encounter with God that leads us into an ongoing experience which opens us up to the fullness of who God is for us. And listen to this last statement. This is a point a lot of people don't think about. And becomes the lifestyle that he takes the greatest pleasure in. The lifestyle that he takes the great. Does it matter to you what God thinks? If it matters to you what God thinks, then the last thing you're going to want to do is be controlled or even influenced by your flesh to do these things that are ungodly. If you want to please God, then let me tell you, the fruit of the Spirit is what pleases Him. And that is what He blesses. And it can be yours. I realize more and more we have people sitting in this congregation in this day and age in which we live that have come out of dysfunctional homes. And you came out of a home of lying and stealing and drinking and lying to just be able to survive. And you've, you've become very hard in your attitude and you think it's got to be this way and it'll never be any better and I'm just trying to make it through to the end. No, there's a better way. And it begins by getting saved. The Holy Spirit comes in and there's this beautiful fruit tree, if you will, that is established in you. And be patient. There will be some bumps along the way. But you, you water that tree. You nourish that tree. You learn about that tree. You protect that tree. And you'll begin seeing things develop in you that Perhaps you didn't even think it was even possible. God wants that for you more than you can possibly imagine. As we stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com Thanks for listening.